Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Welcome to The Green Room. I'm your host, Neil Griffiths, from Self-Isolation. Still, we're doing this from my home, uh, and I am beyond stoked to be joined for the second time on The Green Room podcast by the 1975 frontman, Matty Healy, joined the show, uh, also from Self-Isolation, at his home studio to talk about the 1975's new album, Notes on a Conditional Form. It's out 22nd of May. Um, for those who, who have been listening to the Green Room podcast for a while, first of all, thanks. We really appreciate it. Second of all, you may remember he was on the show late last year. It was around September when the band were actually touring the country. Remember when touring and live music was a thing? Uh, Maddie came on the show then. I think the song People had been out for all of three weeks. Since then, they've had a bunch of tracks come out. Uh, in anticipation, of course, for Notes on Conditional Form. So, Matty, jump back in to talk about the album, uh, why it could be their biggest and best for a number of reasons. Of course, there have been some rumours that Matty is already working on some new 1975 music. We talked a little bit about that. And he also got a new dog called Mayhem. He's adorable. Uh, so check it out. This is Matty Healy on the Green Room Podcast. It's good to, to, I guess, see you as much as we can see each other. How are you holding up right now, man? Yeah, I'm all right. You know, I'm probably in the top 1% of holding up. I mean, I've, you know, I've got to, I make music so I can do that wherever or I can do that in my head if I need to. So, I mean, I'm in the studio where I made like a brief inquiry. So, um, me and George are here. And he's there now playing with our puppy. So oh, we got that. We got. We got. It's all right. It's all good. It's fine, man. People get it. We're all isolating together. So we're kind of. Um, it's good, man. It's 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 well. It's it's not good. It's fucking shit. But it's it's what it is. You know. Um, we could we couldn't be in a in a nicer environment in order to deal with it. Like I don't know what it's like over in Australia, but it's really bad in the UK now. So. I was saying right before we started recording this, like I think, so you came on the podcast nine months ago, yeah. 1975 was touring Australia, you were in Sydney and we, we spoke then. And I think the, literally the day after, sorry, the day, yeah, the day before we recorded were the global climate change marches. Yeah. Fast forward nine months, the whole world is in a fucking pandemic. I mean, yeah, man, I don't know, like... Look, it it's it. I think that's the thing with the record, like why it kind of had to come out now because it's like the, I think the only the, the the sense of feeling was like which is what comes out on the record is, you know, it feels like if we don't change, something's gonna if we don't make a change, something's gonna make that change for us. Do you know what I mean? And that's what's happened in like a very very quick time, but in a different kind of context. So it's also taken a front seat. Um, it's obviously helped in regards to the lack of movement and the lack of commercial, but the world's not set up to just stop like that. So yeah, it's, um, it's an unprecedented set of circumstances, you know, and it's very like, it's very, damn man. Like this is our, this is our generation's wartime, you know? Mm. You, well, the band were here in February, the late January, I want to say. I got flew up to Brisbane to to cover the pod, so cover the podcast at Laneway in Brisbane, and that was the night you had to pull out what two hours beforehand, and you got to finish the rest of the tour, right? 
Oh shit, yeah. When I was ill. Yeah. Yeah, that was gnarly. Fuck, that was so bad. I had like salmonella. What did you eat? I don't know. I can't really remember. Quiche. I think it was a quiche. Yeah, it was a quiche. Yeah. A quiche or something. And it must have been like, I mean, honestly, bro, that was so bad because they thought I had like just gastro or something, but it was like full on salmonella. So I was fucked. And I, I literally, I mean, I was trying to do the show, but I just, I, I, I wasn't able to, you know. You backed up but, the next night. Were you feeling like rubbish for that? Oh, yeah, it was fucking grim. I like Kate. Okay, kept my hospital gown and shit like that it was it was funny but um yeah no that was that was just before it all kicked off and then like we had to get back and then like we had to get back like via hong kong and it was all like starting to feel like really edgy and all the news was just like this rolling news kind of thing like it's weird and, and thinking about that interview as well back in september i think people had to just come out for what three weeks at that point in time and when I, was right. you, when I was talking to you about people and I said, is this kind of the vibe that notes will be? And you said, if you can imagine that each song is its own thing, that's what the album will be. I didn't realize how true that was. Like when you listen to some of these songs, like, I mean, I don't know what, what other people think, but when I listen to say, um, if you're from shy, like to me, it sounds like very eighties, very disco, very, the night yeah, yeah. record or, the uh, Me and You Together song sounds very Oasis to me. People to me still sounds like a song that Marilyn Manson could do tomorrow. Right. Well, that was kind of, I suppose, that, that time of kind of like alternative heavy music, like Refused or like Manson or something like that, yeah. um, was kind of the impetus for the stylistic of that song. Each song is like, I don't know, it's like a big collage or something. So when we're working on each song, we're very much in that world, looking at that one bit but then we're constantly kind of stepping back to see like where it fits or how it fits. And, and it always has, there's so many shared kind of sonics across it, but the genres aren't really shared, but the sounds are. So it's kind of like homogenized, but also like very eclectic and weird. And, but yeah, each song is like its own little world really, but it's only because we, well, that's how we pay tribute to it when we're working on it. I don't want to keep going back to September, but that's because that's the timeline. Yeah. As far as we last spoke to each other, how much did the album develop between now and then? I mean, obviously the album has been delayed a few times here and there. You've released a bunch of singles from it since then. Sonically, um, the way you perceive the album, the way you are hoping people will receive the album, has that changed since your mindset back in September? Um, yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't know how though, but like the record has never been where the album for like put out an album six months later, put out new music and then keep putting music out. And, and then that was always my plan where the album fell in that was, was always a bit like more interested by the press or fans. They've people like Dave, once I'd started making my best record from what I felt, I was a bit like, okay, yeah, it's, it's coming out in the thing. Fine whenever but if it's not it's not because this is dope and that's a day like so i don't care um so we just kept going until it was finished and then it kind of had like a shape and then i knew that i needed to perfect this bit and you have perfected that bit and make these bits better or it was um what's he doing <laughs> come here Stop being a dick. Full context. I don't think we introduced Mayhem on the actual podcast recording. So the person Maddie is yelling at is a dog called Mayhem. He's nine weeks old. And what is he again, Maddie? 
is it Kane Corso or Kane Corso? I don't know how you say it, but he's just, he's either needy or he's being kind of quite naughty. So he either has to be like here or like being over there being a nightmare. So he's probably safer <laughs> here for a second. But, um, but yeah, so it's been, I don't know, things kind of evolved quite, it's what we wanted it to be like, it's not that we wanted it to be like anything. It was like, it was just this series of like captured moments, you know? Mm. <coughs> and it was like part of this kind of real time expression where, the real moments were kind of fueling what was happening and like, you know, people was a reaction to like, you know, we were on tour doing a brief inquiry when people kind of happened and stuff like that. So the whole record was just like our real time expression, like our record in real time, you know? And then that's why I'm so happy with it because it's so like up to date. Did it bother you when you were pushing the album back a couple of times and people seemed to get really pissed off? I didn't. I don't understand why people get so frustrated when you say, "Hey guys, it was meant to be this date, now it'll be this date." Like, if, yeah, it's, well, I think, if it's going to make yeah. the album better, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that, that's what I think. But I mean, I also think that people, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like I think that. I think that if you have a transient relationship with a band, you probably don't care. And if you do give them shit for that, you're just looking for something to give them shit about. When people like financially invest in something, that's one thing. So if I'd have like said like, if I'd have said, oh, come on my new tour, which is all new album stuff Hmm. and, and the album will be out. So it'll be that. That's what the ticket is. You come in to see stuff that you will have already built a relationship with. If I'd have made those kind of promises, then okay, fair enough, because I'm kind of commercially, you know, it's different. Like, so I was never going to do that. I was just saying, like, I'm making two expressions. Come and see us on tour. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and that's what I did, you know. And it was kind yeah. of as simple as that, and and now it's coming out, and it's like our most, whatever it is, it's, it's our most. Um, I think it'll be one of the records that has the most conversation around it in regards to, I don't know, like a lot of my favorite records. I hope, I hope some people don't like it. I think that's always a sign of a good record. No, it's not, that sounds like a really stupid thing to say, but I mean like being, I don't know. I just, I think that I want, you know what? I actually mean the opposite of that. I think that one of the things that I'm moved by and makes me a bit bashful is that every time we seem to kind of like be truer to ourselves, our records are kind of like even more accepted. Do you know what I mean? So like the least we care or like or the least we give a fuck, the more people really relate to that kind of ethos. So I think that there's part of me... Any artist likes the idea of people being challenged by their work. But I think the one thing that I realize more is that people have like these amazing receptors when it comes to music, you know, and people that understand music and they don't kind of ask questions of music in the same way they do of like other abstract art forms because they kind of like inherently understand it. So I think that maybe sometimes I think that because I'm being so true to what I like and what I want to say and what I want to listen to, that maybe I'm being like, so specific that people won't get it but i think i'm just actually blown away that people like do get it you know what i mean because brief inquiry is kind of like a weird record mm. and um people like really like this album i don't know many albums like this album to be honest even when you when i'm listening to it, it, it like i said before like there is no one theme it's like oh they're going for this sound now because you think okay this is the new sound and then you flip it and then it's people 
and then it goes to if you're too shy. They're very yeah. different songs, but like in a really fucking cool way. Because I, I I can't compare this album to anything I've heard before either. Because when I try and compare the albums, I'm comparing sounds. But this album has so many different sounds. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I mean, you could, like people. There's lots of artists that have been as many places in their careers, and maybe across like two records or whatever it may be. And like you know, like my favorite artists. You know, and that, you know, what I mean, they kind of set the precedent for doing that. But it's, 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 it's partly because we're really good at that, at being who we are. Um, but it's also because, like, creating in the way that you consume has been like a thing that we've understood for a while and acted upon, like, to create in the way that you can create music in the way that you consume it, you know? That, but that's almost been like a philosophy of ours. Now, for young people, they, they have no choice, really, because like, it would be inauthentic to not do that. You know, if, you, if, you're a, if you're a punk in the 70s or whatever, that was a lot to do with like, what you're exposed to, linear consumption of mood, media, economic circumstance, being in the right place at the right time, all these kind of things. Like, if you're like a punk now, like dressed as our punk and you just do like one thing and it's a punk thing or whatever it is. It's inherently not authentic. Cause that's just not, we, everyone knows that's not the level of consumption that you have. So the game's up in regards to like genres and fucking tribalism because it can't exist anymore. Mm. It's not like the King's road where you used to walk down, you had your skinheads over here and your proto punks over there and your punks there because it was very much to do with the amount of access that you had to the rest of culture. And now that culture is just this Catherine wheel that's kind of fallen off its thing, um, it's just fucking shooting everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Because we, it's, we can look back and reference and then point forward, and it's this weird time. Does that piss you off? Because last time we spoke, you said the, the entire 1975 career has been so you can graduate to become an emo band. But if all genres are off, that fucks that right up, doesn't it? I think it was the ethos of wanting to basically be off like a brief inquiry and think like, do we want to, do you think about that? And do you kind of like graduate towards being a stadium band and whatever the preconceived idea of that is? Or do we operate more like a small emo band who just like kind of go inwards and make the, the music that they want to make? Do you know what I mean? And I think that we unfortunately would be inauthentic if we made one type of music and it would be boring because that's boring doing one type of thing eating one type of food you know boring so we don't we don't do that but um yeah this album comes at a funny crossroads doesn't it because i mean the early reviews that we're seeing like i saw there was a, a five-star review for it there was another one that said this is our generation's okay computer what Did brief that... inquiry no notes Oh really? Who said? I, I haven't read anything, but that's cool. That's cool. Does that, does that like? Does that? Are you just rap with that, or does that kind of is that daunting to hear? Of that's the standard that some people are saying. Like this could be, or this may be the album. Like that, nineteen seventy five. I remembered for forever and always. This is the album. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll remember all of them. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe I don't know. Like fucking. A brief inquiry was a bit like that. People were saying like, "Oh, like Kid A and stuff like that," and it's really nice. But it's my, it's our normal life, so it's like, 
it's not this objective thing that, that that an opinion can like resonate with do you know what i mean it's like yeah but there's a lot of like it's, you know it's just sitting around in boxes kind of like smoking weed and talking mm. that's like the um the cultural benchmark <laughs> whatever i don't know it's cool man like i think that we love we love making records and i think that people feel that you know and i think that if we're remembered for that then that's what's really good if we're remembered for like appreciating the art form and treating it with respect and like trying to kind of move things forward then I mean, I know we're in, I know we're in a pandemic right now, but if we weren't, what do the last couple of weeks right now? We're what two weeks, three weeks away from album release. Do you like to lay low and just see how people respond to it? Yeah, I mean, I'm normally on tour, um, yeah. so I'm normally like kind of in support of it physically and talking to people about it. And then I don't know, like I'm. I think I have quite an objective view of what I'm doing. I, I, I don't. I don't like shy away from reviews or anything, but um, I don't think I seek them out. I think mean, people normally send me the good ones. But <laughs> I am. I am. It's weird. It's, it is weird thing to do, like because we're not thinking about like. There's never any conversation about whether people will like this or will like that. It's only about whether we like that, mm. and. Um, that's a that's a nervy place to be sometimes, you know. Trusting yourself so much, trusting that your art is your instinct, you know. Um, so, well, I know this lockdown has, especially in the music industry, inspired people to sit down and keep writing. I know you've been writing some new stuff. Do you get to relax a bit and let notes kind of resonate yeah. first, or will you kind of be like, all right, great, this album's out, next one? I think that I will, um, um, I mean, we have to, a, a new world to react to. So I don't think it will come immediately. I don't want to like make a record that's like a reaction to the lockdown and a mourning of the lost world. I'd rather make a record that's actually the first record that's a, what it's really about being in a new world and living in it and experiencing it, you know. Um, I think that I wouldn't want to record, write a record about now that just gets written now. So... I think that, but it's a different time now. Like I think the idea of like finishing notes and this not happening and then me being obsessed with a new record would be a bit weird, but like, it's been like a hard reset on the world. So, and I have been writing a bit, but I've also like, now I've got a dog and stuff. I've like let myself, I'm learning to like chill a little bit. Um, mm. I haven't even put out my last record and it's 22 songs. Like I don't really need to be worried about putting out a new record right now, but um, I always am. Rain so. let you have that choice though? it's mm, a good question <laughs> that's like the, that's kind of the fair point isn't it so we'll mm -hmm. see i think that i'm trying to just get better at being in the moment i'm trying to like read books not to like educate myself but just for the formally instead of watching stuff i'm trying to look after the dog and you know be concerned <laughs> with like shit and piss instead of like my own desires or fears you know it's mm -hmm. like it's more about just being there yeah you said this, um, you've said recently that Notes is kind of, it feels like the end of an era, the 1975. Mm. What was that era and what do you think you're going into next? I don't know. I think that, I think that people wanted this album to be like a bit of like a resolve, a bit of like the ending of a movie. But it is, I keep comparing it to the end of The Graduate 
you know, like the end of The Graduate where it's idealistic and it's beautiful and they get the moment and they run off together and they sit on the bus. And then as they're driving away, the camera lingers on them as all of those questions start to set in, like, well, where are we going to go? Do we have a change of clothes? Have we got any money? Like, what's going to happen tomorrow? Like, where are we going to... Like, all the same questions that you're dealing with as you're watching it, and then it kind of ends. And I think this record's a bit like that. It, like, it promises, like... It's, it, it has promised, like, an, an ending or a resolve, but it just kind of says that the, there are no endings. And, there's only kind of new beginnings and time, you know, you don't notice it until it's gone. And I think that it's, it's a bit like there's no real ribbons. Do you know what I mean? There's no way to tie this all up. So maybe that's just not how life works. And I think that that's what's nice about this record because the end of the era, I was constantly trying to construct an end of an era for myself. And this pandemic has ended it hard for everybody so mm. it makes it easier almost to experience notes as this kind of final chapter because it comes it's actually the last one of the last relics that we're going to have from the last world you know what i mean again listening to the album with the with the kind of, with different sounds that are on there it does feel like when you said like these unanswered questions and hearing these different genres you guys put on this album, it feels like the next album could literally be, the whole thing could be one of these songs. It could go down a, a, a more aggressive way, like a people. It could go into more of a, like a Brit pop. Like yeah. it kind of feels like the next record could be any of those things. What well, nice. sound genre kind of makes you most excited? Like, I guess, I suppose when recording, what was like, fuck yeah, this this is a sound I that I love. I can working. always, I can al- I mean, to be honest with you, mate, like we're a punk band. I think that like what people forget is that like we use beauty because beauty is the sharpest knife and the sh- sharpest tool in the box, you know, like, like we make beautiful music, like, because if you want people to pay attention to an idea, if you make it beautiful, they'll sit up and listen. I just know that from my relationship with beauty. And you also have the idea, if you make something beautiful, if you make something like, heavy or distorted or not beautiful and then you laden that with challenging ideas it's not as challenging it's not as hardcore Mm. it's simply not like people's fucking easy people's like obvious i could do an album of people standing on my fucking tits like it's it's absolutely nothing like it's because it's obvious it's linear it's one thing it's one level it's aggression met with aggression that's great but beauty is a way sharper tool and it makes people pay attention. And it also, if you present something that is beautiful, objectively, and it's laden with ideas of violence or oppression of people, or whatever it is, you present the viewer with like an ethical dilemma that they really struggle with. And I still struggle with. Like, that's why we're like a punk band or like a real punk band, because a punk band would use the fucking sharpest tool to subvert or make people pay attention. And in history, that has been music that didn't exist before. Heavy music, this music, that music. But the ethos of punk was only materialized in the sound of heaviness because that was the, the, the tools that they had. And the tools that we have far broader and a lot more like, just beauty is, is a way better way of conveying ideas. Um, so I think that, I, I don't even know if I answered your question. It's just that I think that I will always make what I think is kind of 
inherently beautiful music because it's more ch- it's more challenging across the board. And I also think that we do like the idea of challenging ourselves. And our records have been very very sprawling now and very very long and very very. I do treat them as long form things where I can get everything out. Maybe I will challenge myself to make a more linear record because some of my favorite records are like very very concise micro universes like hats by blue nile or spirit of eden or um by talk talk you know they're kind of like very contained little worlds and i'd quite like to make a record like that so we'll see but like yeah i I don't know i mean you just said it there like as far as wanting to challenge yourself always being challenged do you think and this isn't just for you do you think this is for any successful band or artist if you're not challenging yourself what are you doing because there, are, there is a world where if you wanted to, the 1975 could just sell out and do a bunch of pop records and you'd make a lot of money and it'd be great. But are you being fulfilled? Are you being challenged? Yeah, I mean, it depends. Like, I don't think that that would be the case because we're not ticking the other boxes enough. We're not like heartthrobs or whatever. Like, I'm like a heartthrob to like kind of like weird kids and stuff like that. But like, I'm not like a... We're not like, I don't know if we could have like rested on (laughs) I just mean like, I don't know unless we'd have been like the black sheep of the kind of pop bands, if we'd have ever been able to actually be successful. It's kind of like my catharsis. So if I just fucking, that's how I get stuff out or it's how I kind of like feel like I have a sense of purpose or like, I don't know. Also like all the artists, all the records that I really looked up to kind of like, whether they were political or didactic in their nature, they were kind of, they held the mirror up to the world or they kind of documented the world or they were a record of their time. And I think that even having Greta on it and stuff like that, do you know what I mean? Like I wanted this to be like a, a record of our time. Well, I also didn't give a fuck about that. I just suppose that those are kind of like the subconscious things that drive you. Like, do I want to be an artist without purpose is not a question that I ask myself every morning. So I kind of just, it just happens naturally. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose then you'll, you'll never be an art. We can't expect a, a, a sellout poppy album from Matty Healy ever. And if we do, that means you need to look away. Yeah. I can't imagine what a commercial, like I don't do it for those re it doesn't come from that place. So it's like, it wouldn't, I've had plenty of opportunities to fucking get a bit of cash in, mate, for the wrong reasons. I tell, I tell you about it. Like mm. the offers that we've had, it's crazy, and then um, we'd probably be a lot bigger because of it, you know. But I'm not interested in that. It was really cool as well. I saw was it last year? So like I'm 29, so I guess I I grew up on the the 2000s kind of emo pop punk music. And I had no idea that you were friends with Chris from Dashboard. And he, you, yeah. actually, you showed up randomly. He was playing like, was it like a, some London church? And you guys did yeah. a version of sex together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he, I mean, this is the thing. What's been so amazing for me is that like, I found a lot of like, um, a lot of solace and a lot of common ground in that kind of scene when I was growing up. And I um, really liked the freedom of that kind of like emo scene and, I was a bit of a hipster in amongst the pigeons in regards to like, I think that like, you know, by the time that like emo pop punk had happened, 
I was already in like Drive Like I Do and we were referencing more like emo core ideas or like, you know, like Mineral or like uh, American Football or local bands like the Maple State and stuff like that. We were never really, by the time like My Chemical Romance were big and stuff like that, I was, I would have been about like 19 and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I was slightly, and I was super into all of that from when I was like 13. Cause a lot of my best friends were a bit older than me. So like I went to my first Reading and Leeds when I was like 13 right. and they were all like 16, 17. But for yeah. some reason it just was a thing. So I am, um, I don't know. And yeah, I've, I've managed to kind of meet a lot of my heroes from those kind of worlds. And, you know, like I was on my podcast, I just did an episode with Mike Kinsella from American football and Connor Oberst, who's obviously bright eyes. And, and those were kind of like really influential artists to me when I was growing up. And, and I am, um, pay a lot of homage to that music because the history of where it came from was so fascinating to me, you know, like black flag onwards, you know, like minor threat embrace rights of spring. I've always been obsessed with that kind of world. So, um, so yeah, so me, me and Chris have been friends for a bit. He's going to come on the podcast probably. Um, You're killing the podcast and, game right now. It's, it's fucking frustrating. Cause you know how hard it'd be to get Stevie Nicks on a podcast and you just did it. You know what? It was amazing. I had like a, a wish list of people and my whole wish list came back. Stevie Nicks though actually came back like not like too late, but like it was it was coming out on the Monday and we did that talk on this the day before. Yeah. Um because she basically she's not very internet savvy and her manager had just seen this in email and known that Stevie was a big fan. So Stevie kind of was like, Oh, is it too late for me to do it? And I was a bit like Phew. I'll move the earth to do, to do an episode with you. So um, it was so good. It was like such a love-in and, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm just getting together like a new, a new set of episodes to kind of, to kind of come out and it'll be, that'll just be on like Apple music and Spotify and stuff. How, how are you handling the podcast game? You don't seem like a nervous guy in, in general day to day. Do you get nervous interviewing these people that you are like obsessed with? Um. I suppose I don't get nervous because the people that I ask, I've got such a set of questions that I wouldn't be able to get through three hours of questions. You know what I mean? Like I've got so much stuff. So I suppose that <coughs> the thing that's nice about it is that it doesn't come from a place of self-interest, which is really good. And I think that's why it feels nice. Like it's not a promotional thing for me. I'm very rarely talking. And if anybody does want to talk about me, it's almost they kind of have to stop me to kind of be like, listen, I, it's fine, but can I ask you a question? Which is very nice for me, but that's not why I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it because I feel like a fanboy and I feel like now one of like the bigger fanboys and I feel like that I'm almost doing that as like a conduit. I'm, I'm kind of being the conduit between us mere mortals and these kind of like amazing artists that we all look up to. And I just have the privilege of being able to get access to them. Um, so yeah, so you just cool. have to like sit there and like kind of like just try not to cry with happiness. Like I was listening to that Stevie Nicks soundbite where she's like, "Yeah, we've listened to nothing but those two albums." Yeah, like if you're like, "Yeah, cheers, Stevie, no worries." Like you look like a wanker, but if you have to look composed, then no. No, of course. I mean, I think in that moment, but not really for me though, because people know that I'm very like emotionally led, and I'm not afraid to like say that I love something or something like that. And I think that I was very moved by that because really validated me as an artist as well because you don't get that it's not like i don't have those conversations all the time i wasn't like oh i should bring my real life to the podcast chain 
Like yeah. I hadn't spoken to those people like that apart from Brian, you know. And then, so yeah, it was amazing for me to do that, and I, I've really enjoyed it. And it and it's not self interested, and I think that I'm only really interested in like long form expression now. So like albums or like kind of like conversations with people that have like have meaning. Mm. Um, outside of that, apart from the occasional joke, I'm not really that interested in in stuff in my opinion being expressed. Well, dude, I think we can wrap it up there. Um, thank cool, you so much for coming by, man. It's, um, again, weird times, but I guess Eric. it's the best we can do right now. Um, congrats on notes, man. It, it really is a, a fucking excellent album. Um, Appreciate it, man. Hopefully we, um, we'll see you soon and it'll be face-to-face and it won't be weird and there won't be some sort of crazy global problem going on. Let's hope so. Thanks, right, man. man. Appreciate your time, dude. Take care. In a bit. Bye. Thank you to Matty Healy for coming on this week's episode of the Green Room Podcast all the way from his home in London. And thanks for Mayhem for coming on the show too. I really appreciate that, buddy. Uh, Zig, thank you so much, sir. For those who don't know, Zig is recording all of these podcasts from his home studio through Zoom. I imagine it's a pain in the ass, but you, sir, make it seamless. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Ziggy, thanks so much, and thank you, listener, for listening. The album is called Notes on a Conditional Form. It is out on the 22nd of May. Be sure to pick it up because it truly is a definitive album for this band. If you've heard some of the songs, you'll know what I'm talking about. Make sure you get a copy when it lands on 22nd of May. And until then, I will talk to you all next week via Zoom or Spotify or Apple or wherever the fuck we're recording from. Have a good week. We'll see you then. <laughs>